For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, guys, very special guest here on Lulz today. We have Captain Jack Andrews. Many of you know him from the sports betting community. Also, his great work over at Unabated. We're excited to talk to him about a bunch of happenings going on in the sports betting world, legalization, debates. We also have some fun events coming up with the NFL Draft, March Madness, all that good stuff here today on Lulz. Does he think... I it's think he thinks goat. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no. And let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. <laughs> Please don't do bus. All right, Jack, I've, I've been following you for a, a while on Twitter. you got to give us the backstory here. I'm sure you've told this on other shows, but I, I've, I haven't heard it. What's the story behind the name and then this avatar that you have on Twitter? Okay, so the backstory, and hey, Pete, pleasure to join you here. Brian, you too. Love the show. Uh, the, back, the quick backstory. So 20-plus years ago, I'm a young card counter, in, uh, and I go online, and I try to find information about card counting, and there was this site by Stanford Wong, the guy that created Wong Teasers, called uh, BJ21. And so I signed up and it said, you need to pick a username and it shouldn't be your real name. So in literally 10 seconds, I said, Blackjack, Captain Jack. Okay, Captain Jack. That's what I'll I'll go with. And then fast forward about 10 years to uh, Twitter and I need to pick an avatar, right? And so I'm like, well, I'll just Google Captain Jack. And of course, Johnny Depp comes up and and the character from Pirates of the Caribbean. And so then I was like, uh, maybe I'll do like the, the cover of Billy Joel's Piano Man album with Captain Jack. The song was on it. But uh, that looked too weird. Um, but I scroll down in the Google results and I see this guy. And this is a techno European techno dance artist guy from the mid 90s named Captain Jack. Uh, there were actually multiple Captain Jacks. This guy actually passed away and they replaced him with another guy that just looked like him. Um, which I guess is like what? the bewitched thing from the from the, the 60s. But yeah, there he is. So Captain Jack, um, it kind of felt funny that it was like all these pictures. And of course, that's <laughs> not what I look like. So uh, yeah, it was just fun. And I could play with all these different poses that he had. But I put that one up and it's kind of been been there ever since. I uh, I signed up for that site too back then. Because uh, the, that's in the, in the Sharp Sports Betting book. I think he promotes that site in the back or the cover or somewhere there. So I wonder, I wonder, I probably have the same screen name I do in DFS or something similar too. Now that I think about it. BJ 21 is still around by the way. Yeah. Well, when I signed up for it, it was a little dormant. If I remember correctly, what used to be bigger. And then by the time I got there, there wasn't too much, too much action going on. What's going on here. So uh, yeah, the, I liked um, uh, uh, blackjack attack. That was my favorite blackjack book. Um, I liked all the Kenny Austin stuff because the stories were so good, right? Yes. And, um, he was a great storyteller, yeah. Great storyteller, fun stuff. And and, and also I like the strategy too. I really like the combination of like some of his suggestions with Schlesinger's suggestions. I think that was his name, the 
Mm-hmm. Black Black Jack, Jack, I, yeah. yeah, so so long ago I haven't read that stuff. But yeah, the, the, I love blackjack stuff it brings me back to like being eight seventeen. So like right before I could go to the Ho the Ho Chunk Casino. Actually I don't even know what it's called now. The casino, you know, the Indian Reserve Casino that you could uh get in at at eighteen. So was that your first kind of foray into edge seeking and the world of gambling and sports betting was through blackjack? Right. So my the the full story of my my backstory, my my falling in love with advantage gambling was the first time I went to Vegas, uh, I walk into the Bellagio. The Bellagio had just opened like a month before. And that's where I was there for a bachelor party. That's where we had our rooms. We were like eight guys in one room, you know, back in our early 20s. And uh, I walk into the Bellagio at 9 a.m. and we we couldn't check into our hotel room yet, but we went into the casino and we're like, let's go play craps. None of us really knew how to play craps. Well, we belly up to the table and down the table at the other end is Joe Theismann, Don Shula and Mercury Morris. They're playing craps because there was some NFL golf outing in town and they were all staying at the Bellagio. Uh, and so that was just amazing to me that like I'm throwing dice. It's all fun. And like Don Shula saying, good throw, buddy. You know, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I love Thanks, coach. I love casinos. I, I want to do more of this. And so when I came home from that trip, I said, you know, I, I basically put into Yahoo or Alta Vista or whatever it was back then, how to beat gambling uh, and card counting came up. And so I started, OK, well, then I'll start looking into card counting. And that's how I found BJ21. And that's how I got started into card counting. And honestly, guys, it just snowballs from there, right? It's like the gateway drug. Everyone says card counting is the gateway drug to advantage gambling. It is like 20 plus years later, 25 years later, really. uh, Here I am betting sports, doing many other things because all because I threw dice with Mercury Morris. I mean, there's almost an irony to that. You're talking about that that used to be the gateway. And now these sites are all trying to get sports bettors to go play the casino games online and go play blackjack and do all that. It's kind of like a weird perverted uh, turn of events there. Right. The circle of life or death or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling. I'm I'm thinking another one too, the Patrick books. Oh, John Patrick. You remember remember those? Yeah. So, and he would, and he's, he was an expert on everything. (laughs) And I bought all those too. If you want to take a trip down memory lane, uh, look on YouTube for John Patrick videos because he always had this like blazer and a turtleneck, which was a great look in 1972. Right. Um, but he wore it into the 80s, and it was him in casinos showing you how to gamble. And he just had this kind of this. He almost talked down to everyone in these videos, like you're an idiot. This is why you're playing this because you don't know any better. You know, it's just it's just hilarious to watch. And and when did you then first start, you know, dabbling with sports betting and and finding that this was something you were interested in? So the progression I took was card counting and then online casinos came to their rise in the early 2000s, the offshore stuff, Uh, goldenpalace.com and all these, you know, casino on net and all these names from way past. Um, And I got started into bonus hustling online casinos. And back then, Similar to what a lot of guys are doing today is you sign up for the deposit bonus and you play it through and then you can withdraw. And, you know, if you think a lot of guys are using beard accounts now, well, back then it was you didn't even really need that real person. You could just come up with fake names and addresses and and they would let you play through. And so I kind of built a bankroll that way. I built a six figure bankroll just doing that. And that's subsided. But what else did that online company have? Well, they had an online sports book. 
And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll start to dabble in these online sports books. And I started to look around. I started to play some props. I started to come up with my own theories on how to beat sports. And none of them were really sound at the time, but I was young and uh, the bonus money was still good. So I was still making money. And so that kind of got my gears rolling in terms of sports betting. And then after that all died with the UIGEA Act of 2006, I went back to the regular casinos and back to, you know, finding ways to beat them. And I did that for many years. And then New Jersey, where I'm from, floated a ballot referendum in 2011 saying, should we legalize sports betting? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, definitely. So I voted yes, and it passed overwhelmingly, like two to one. And so I'm like, all right, well, the next year we're getting sports betting. I'm ready. Let's go. And of course, that ended up in doing like 11 court cases, took seven years. And by 2018, when we got the Supreme Court to overthrow PASPA, that's when it was like, okay, now the game's on. But in those seven years between 2011 and 2018, I was like heads down focused on sports betting. I was playing through all the the local outs, the local bookies, uh, getting accounts offshore, things like that. So by the time it finally got legal in in New Jersey, I was, you know, I was already kind of like had put in my 10,000 hours. Can I can I mention really quick, Pete, the um, something he said in there piqued my my interest. We talk about a lot about kind of like like successful gamblers have like this obsessive issue, which can be bad, but. I think you really need it to be good at anything, you know, any sort of game or hobby or what maybe business or whatever. You kind of have to have this obsessive personality. There's another thing that he mentioned is he said he, he rolled his bankroll up to six figures. Um, six. How much is it? That's a hundred K, right? Plus. Brian's <laughs> <laughs> more of a seven figure guy. So he had to do the math. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not telling the decimal point. Yeah, there you go. But there's a lot of people who won't do that. And I have a lot of buddies who are actually like like pretty good poker players back in the heyday of poker and stuff like that. They just wouldn't keep money online. Like they didn't believe – and, you know, their instincts turned out to be right because, you know, I got stiffed on money. A lot of guys got stiffed on money after Black Friday. But like the uh, uh, the this, this idea of like winning and keeping that money on there, not cashing out 75% of it is very foreign to a lot of people and risk that they just can't handle despite being winning players back then. And so like whatever that gene is too, I think, uh, is, is something that just, you, you're probably just born with it, honestly, but something to keep in mind if you're like thinking, Hey, should I, could I become a professional DFS player, professional sports better? It's like, okay, well, are you okay with, with building up a role and then having that 50 K on there, that hundred K on there and still living in your shitty apartment or whatever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like that's not that easy to do. Yeah, no, Brian, I totally agree with that. It does take a certain kind of personality that you don't think of a $500 win or loss as a material object. You just think of it as that's another $500 in or out of my bankroll. And you also don't really spend out of your bankroll. I I tell people that the best thing you can buy with your winnings is a bigger bankroll um, because that's, you know, and look, did I finally reach a point where I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. i have all this money, but I'm not really enjoying it. Yes, I did. And, but there, there's a balance there. There's a delicate balance that people need to find of taking your winnings or building a bigger bankroll and wanting to do this more sustainably. Um, not all the answers are out there. That's not like there's a set formula out there that says, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to take 5% here and this and that. 
Um, it's like any kind of wealth generation. You need to figure out the best way to generate that wealth that works for you and then follow that path strictly, not necessarily somebody else's path. Did you find, it sounds like maybe bankroll management came naturally to you. Did you find that or was it something you had to work at? I probably got that through uh, card counting, you know, because there's a lot of books on blackjack. Because here's the thing, guys. Blackjack is a very easy, finite form of gambling. There's 52 cards in the deck. You know, look at any kind of sporting event. There's 52 million ways it could go based on every little blade of grass on the field. So blackjack's more like this 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 small compartment that you can kind of analyze and overanalyze. And so people have like the optimal way to bet and the optimal way to kind of look at everything that happens at the table or in a deck of cards or in a shoe of cards. And so you learn some of these concepts like bankroll management and betting your edge and not overbetting your edge and what's the consequence of over versus underbetting your edge and things like that that do carry on to other endeavors when it comes to advantage gambling. Um, but in terms of like bankroll management, it, it, it did come a little bit naturally in that I was not a good card counter. Like mm -hmm. I, I was, I would, what I would do is I'd get up like $300 and take it down to Atlantic City and play this lousy game in Atlantic City. And I'd lose my $300, get some lunch, go back home, and then try to save up $300 and do it again. That's not a way to be any kind of sustainable professional or, or, or aspirational better. And when I kind of learned, okay, I need to start to build up the bankroll so that I can withstand the swings and I can play longer in Atlantic City. That's what That was one lesson that I learned. And then also... I went broke in terms of my gambling many times card counting because I just wasn't, I wasn't that good at it. I would lose focus. I would say, you know, oh, I can play one more hand here, even though I know I don't have an edge, all these fallacies that a lot of gamblers do. And I think honestly, for a lot of bettors, you need to go broke in order to have that understanding of what a bankroll really means, what a, um, what winning really means and how to, how to save up after you win. Um, and once you go broke, man, you don't ever want to go broke again. And um, so that was, you know, tough lessons learned was what kind of built, you know, where I went from there. There's a direct correlation between like years of gambling and bankroll management. I think uh, I'm sure there's outliers of guys who are just always reckless, but a lot of the older, you know, myself included guys, I think are pretty good with bankroll because we've just played. So it's gambled so much over the years. You just kind of um, learn through osmosis. Yeah, I no, I totally too, agree. And it's the same with even like markets too, right? People have been through multiple market cycles and going through bear markets. It's like yeah. the first person, your first bull market, like you're going to get caught up in euphoria and not take profits off the table. But then that first bear hits and then the second time it rolls around, you're sure as hell a lot smarter than you were the first go around. Yeah. That's in fooled fooled by randomness. Uh, what's his name's book? The the maniac. So would you say some of those like what what pushed you toward more kind of like educational sports betting content? Because I'd certainly describe what you do and kind of your line of work as the epitome of teaching people how to fish rather than give mm -hmm. them fish, which is um, unique in an industry where you can make a lot of money and you can grow really fast if you just give people fish. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up, Pete, because that's kind of what I like to say is that I'm not, I'm not teaching. I'm, I'm teaching you how to fish. I'm not giving you a fish because you'll be hungry later if I do. Um, sustainability. Like, and that's, that's what kind of bugs me about the gambling industry in general is 
it can be sustainable, but there's too many greedy people involved and on all sides of the table, whether it be the operators, whether it be the media, whether it be the, the gamblers. There's too many people that want too much of their piece of the pie and they don't want to make this a sustainable process. And so let's take an example of the operators right now, okay? In sports betting right now, what's the hot thing? Same game parlay. Well, the same game parlay, we've seen it in state revenue reports, has about a 20% hold. Yeah. Man, if you're betting into anything with a 20% hold, you're going broke fast. Imagine if you went to a casino and all the slot machines were at least a 20% hold, everybody would just be miserable because nobody's winning and everyone's losing into these slot machines and people would hate it. You know, the, the thing that traps a gambler is a little bit of winning, right? That's the thing that really entices people to gamble more is a little bit of winning or at least to have their money go further. And sports betting in general, if we're just betting into minus 110 lines, uh, that's about a 4.5% organic hold. Whereas if you're betting into parlays, sometimes that hold gets a little bit more compounded and you can probably expect to have like a 10 to 15% hold, which isn't ideal. But when you get into those same game parlays where the prices overestimate the correlation between the um, between the legs of your parlay, your same game parlay, you're getting into like a 20% hold and man, you're just getting gutted. And so to, to kind of teach people how to be a little bit more sustainable allows them to lose less. And when you lose less, you're in it for the longer run. And that helps both the better, it helps the operator because they're gonna chew through too many of these people that are just trying out sports betting for the first time and get a nasty taste in their mouth. And it also helps out these states that are regulating sports betting because it makes it a more sustainable product rather than something where the, the monthly revenue numbers just jump up and down based on you know, uh, if people had money to gamble with or if they're saving their money for the holidays. Um, it, so it helps all the, the boats kind of, the tide lifts all boats in that situation. And I think that's part of why I like to teach more of the educational side of sports betting, the math behind it, the theory behind it, how to be a more sustainable better Look, I couldn't give you guys winners on today's uh, college basketball slate. I could give you some angles to look at, and maybe you can find with some line shopping and with some little bit of study on your own, you can find some edges that way. But it's not as simple as like an easy button. And I think too many people in sports betting want the easy button. <laughs> and DFS too. Um, I think that's where the, the just the quick aside, I do think that's where DFS is going and sports betting is the easiest possible answer and DFS would be just give me a lineup. And I think that's where, where it's kind of headed. I do, I do really quick. You mentioned the, the sustainability of, of, of the ecosystem. And I want to get your guys thoughts on this. Cause I've, I heard uh, our, our buddy Davis had a podcast yesterday where he mentioned a similar topic where the rake's so high, they're screwing themselves. And also we used to talk about that in poker back in the day, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, and that's probably not true because I think of sports betting. And I think this is how as player advocates, we should frame it is it's an entertainment product and DFS is an entertainment product. And we're just cogs in the entertainment industry that, and that's it. And we don't, we don't play their game. Uh, their other games uh, of skill or, uh, you know, uh, problem gambling and things like this. Like, no, no, we don't play any of that. We're just, and we are uh, part of the entertainment industry. And so kind of saying that it's kind of like saying like, Oh, avatar, you know, the, the, the studio made so much money 
you know, they're never going to make another avatar, right? Cause they did so well. Right. Like, so like, but, but you know, the entertainment industry doesn't like provide a car or an actual physical product to someone either. So like the better they do I think this, I think it's probably an economic fallacy. I have to look into it a little more, but I bet it's not true. Um, it, because entertainment in itself provides a value subjective as it is to the customer. And so just because you don't have this tangible uh, item or something, you kind of can't see it. But when you compare it to another entertainment product, it, that, that, that doesn't hold up. Not that I totally disagree with you, but I do think um, when people just kind of pass that off as they know what they're they, – for sure this is the way to do things, I don't think we really know what we're talking about. Like, you know, this is a, this is, these are some complicated um, ideas. I mean, I don't know if you guys even want to talk about that, but. I mean, my response to that would be losing money has never been entertaining to me. Like it's, you know, ever since I've gambled the first time I've wanted to win. Um, And, you know, if you're, if you're playing these games where the deck is so severely stacked against you that there's no chance you're going to be a long-term winner. How is that entertaining? Well, Um, I I would, I would say that believe it or not, Jack, there's a lot of guys who kind of do enjoy losing. They're not like us. They don't care if they lose. It was fun to have them wait. And by the way, I guarantee you don't like 100% of the movies you went and saw. I bet you really dislike some of them. You might even walked out on them, right? So entertainment and value, all these things are subjective. So like, I, I really don't like the policing from the players, uh, advocates on like advertising and touts. And I don't know if you can see my Vegas Dave hat here. It's I'm, jo- I'm joking. He's blocked me. People, I do not support Vegas Dave. Unless uh, it's through his merch store. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's bad. I think it's bad strategy uh, politically, in my experience. Um, that's not how I would approach things. I would just approach it as this is an entertainment product. And you give your legislator the narrowest line that you can because they're busy. And they don't have time and they're not going to read your shit and they're not going to read your letters either. I was there. I know it. So like, we just want to say the simplest, easiestly defendable argument for us. And then if they come back at us with this gambling addiction thing, which is what always what happens. I just want the chat GPT today. Like we've talked about this on the podcast before, but you just type in the chat GTP the gambling addiction rates in 2020 in the United Kingdom study was 0.7%. Uh, the the National Council of Problem Gambling in the United States approximately 1%, right? Like these are commiserate with, with like kleptomania and process addictions, which process addictions are like people who get addicted to hobbies. Like I'm sure you've seen like people lose their wives over their Lego collections and shit like that. You know, not to mention alcohol and, and, and food and all sorts of these other things. But there's not like a hotline, you know, at your local supermarket calling 1-800, you know, stop eating, buddy. Like, uh, you know, there, there's so like I, I, I say no negotiation on that. Right. Like, OK. Uh, and, and here's the thing. This is Problem Gambling Awareness Month. March is, you know, whatever. That's that's a yeah. that's a tagline that they, they use, whatever. And the libertarian side of me says people's adults should be allowed to make adult choices. I agree with that. The problem is there's a lot of deception and a lot of unauthenticity in the gambling world when it comes to these products. 
Uh, look, sports betting is only being pushed because it's going to be the gateway to online casinos. DraftKings doesn't care about sports betting. And I said that in, I've, I've tweeted many times, DraftKings will be out of sports betting within five years. I still believe that. They had a good thing with DFS. They're going to have a great thing with online casinos. Sports betting, man, they're just not even trying. And I think a lot of companies feel that way. They just want sports betting to be this Trojan horse that we, they wheel into these state houses and say, hey, we're guaranteeing you'll get tons of money if you legalize sports betting. And what's happening? Look at Colorado. They're making pennies on the dollar from sports betting. Look at uh, Illinois. Look at any other state. They're just not getting the revenue that they thought they would because the operators baked in that they can deduct the promotional spend. And that's creating a lot less tax revenue for the states. So these state legislators are going to come back and say, man, you guys promised that we'd have big money from this and we don't. And the operators right on cue are going to say, well, that's because you haven't let us do online casino yet, because online casino, that's where the real money is. And you know what? They're right. Online casino is where the real money is. But online casino is also where the problem starts. And I am not a problem gaming uh, um, advocate. Um, I am barely a player advocate. I'm just somebody who's seen the reality. New Jersey legalized online casinos in 2013. I have seen a lot of people ruin their lives with online casinos because there's no stopping. You know, right now, if you're betting sports, if you're betting DFS, there's only so many sporting events in the course of a day. There's only so many things you can throw your money at, and it takes like three hours to resolve. Whereas in online casino, I can make 100 bets in one minute. I can do, I can just rapid fire at a slot, at video poker, at any type of table game. And it, it, the volume, the high, it's like high volume betting, basically. And that's what's going to cause a lot of people some problems is because it's too easy to, when you're alone in your bed with your phone and you can't sleep and you just start betting on whatever online casino site. And next thing you know, you're down a thousand, you're chasing it with another 2000. And all of these casinos and all these operators that are so quick to be able to profile a sharp better seemingly can't find the machine learning or the artificial intelligence to be able to profile a problem. <laughs> so, so grant granted, I, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there in one of your statements where the regulators and the, and the companies are going to get in a room together and go, what do we need to do to bring in more money? And then the sports books are going to tell them how to act. So this type of rhetoric on anti on gambling addiction empowers the businesses more than it does the people who actually have a gambling problem because they're going to use it. They're going to use these to their advantage. I I've seen, I worked there for seven years. It's not about the goodness of it. Putting the phones in the casinos wasn't about fucking helping people. Right. They'll, it might've been for the phone, the phone lobbying group for all I fucking know. You have no idea where, where these things come from. And let, have you ever worked at a capital? No. No, yeah, I'm telling it. you, go work there for six months and then come back and talk and talk to me. They, I'm telling you, they're they're not they're not going to help anybody. And although you could give me these examples of someone who ruined their life, which is tragic, and I wish it didn't happen, I just the numbers don't tell really read that out. If if the English studies right, 0.7% is a very low number compared to tons of hobbies and other addictions that happen across the country. But then we don't get this shaming and legislation and all it really is is a uh, uh a foot in the door we um we call it the camel's nose the capital so you get your nose under the tent it's an old saying 
which means you just get the easiest bill you can to legalize sports betting. And then eventually the camel stands up and blows the whole tent open. Right. And so this is how, this is how uh, casinos came about in Illinois. They, they got this loophole that you could have a casino in the water. So we had riverboat casinos, right? Then eventually, you know, you had to leave and go for two hours and then come back and people hated that. So they stopped it and then they said, okay, we can stay docked. And they're like, well, why are we docking? Let's just put it on the land. And now we have casinos everywhere, right? This is the Campbell's nose effect. And so as a lobbyist, you use these things, good or bad, to, to help your business and your cause. Not the, not the fucking gambling people. So like for us as player advocates, don't play their game. You're feeding, you're feeding into them. Uh, more regulation, more things that aren't going to help anybody. So, like, I would, I would just again say that no, this is an entertainment product. These numbers are extremely low. There's going to be more than enough people, Jack, clamoring against gambling. That's not going to be a problem. Like ev- everyone and their mother knows it. We've been trained since since youth that gambling was bad, which, by the way, was propaganda because they didn't want to legalize it, right? Like the, I mean, it's just like from 20 years of, of rhetoric, propaganda, that doesn't match up with the studies. And it's not like England's a new market. They've had legal gambling for 100 years. Look, I, and again, I am not in, I'm not a, I'm not a problem gambling advocate, okay? But gambling addiction is one thing that hurts yourself more than it hurts other people. You get drug addiction, alcohol addiction, there's a chance you're hurting somebody else. Gambling addiction hurts yourself. And I think until it happens to you, you can be very blind to it. And so I think that's a large part of why I feel the way I do. I've seen gambling addiction personally and in my family, and it's it's taken a big toll. And I, I don't think you can, you know, you can put out the studies all you want, but the 1% is, is valid. And I think there are people out there that, uh, that have problems with it. And the operators and the regulators aren't doing diddly about it. The, the, the precautions in place now are, are laughable. And if they're putting this much effort into identifying sharp betters, they should be putting this much effort, which are also 1%, by the way, they should be putting this much effort into identifying the 1% of problem betters. Fair enough. And I think, I think we're maybe talking past each other a little bit. I'm talking about winning and losing in the political realm from the player's advocate perspective. And well, if we someone players advocate, Brian, I know, I know, I know I, you are the only one. That's what I'm saying. Right. And, and I tried and, to make a nonprofit. And when we went around, Rufus and I went around for funding, like it was a bunch of no, no way. No, the, right. the stuff that's out there already is good enough for you guys. Right. That's why I'm bring, that's why I'm bringing it up. We, we had a show a while ago about like some strategies we could do. And, and it's, but like we're dead in the water. First of all, it's hard enough. No one wants to do it. We'd have to get all this money. It's probably never going to happen. But even if we did, if like the player advocate group's number one thing is this capitulation of that gambling addiction is this major problem in sports betting, we're dead already. So I I do not believe gambling addiction is any problem in DFS or sports betting. There's just not a high frequency of betting enough to cause addiction, in my opinion. Sure. Well, well, I mean, I mean, we're on the same page. But and I'm but I'm just saying, like, if we did end up hiring some lobbyists to advocate on players. This is the, the, so like the the head of the AFL CIO once told me 
he opposed the bill we were trying to pass. And I'm like, why are you opposing this bill? Like it helps workers. And he's like, because it takes money from the state. We oppose every bill that takes money from the state because that money is ours because <laughs> they get paid by having state employees. So that's not right, but it's right for his constituency. See what I'm saying? Sure. So I don't, I don't want gambling addiction uh, to, you know, uh, to, 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 to grow, but, and it's horrible when it happens to somebody, especially if it's some of your family, I can't imagine that would be awful. I mean, again, but there are a whole bunch of other uh, addictions and process addictions and sorts that people, people deal with. But if you want to win at the Capitol, we are the like strong underdogs, the strong, strong underdogs. And in an asymmetrical negotiation where they have all the power. And so like, drop this. I'm not talking to you now, Jay. I'm just trying to like this more nebulous. How do we handle like who who's fighting for us? We're going to, we're going to talk, we're going to make gambling addiction one of our issues and put 1-800-GAMBLER on everything. Like, uh, okay, then you just want to lose. I see your point. That's my rant. <sighs> not, not to, uh, to get off of that too much, but with you mentioned the rise of like single game parlays and like the way you think about like sports betting education, like what do you think is more ideal? Because we know there are going to be those casual sports bettors that just absolutely love firing those off on a Sunday morning before the football slate. In the same way, someone wants to toss a $20 lineup into the graph Kings millionaire maker. They know 99% or way, way more than that. They're going to lose. And occasionally maybe they'll have a chance at a decent sweat. Do you think the goal should be, to educate those people about why the game or the bets they're making are bad in negative EV, or should the goal be to provide them with as much tools to make just vaguely uh, EV or inching towards positive EV single game parlays, if that makes sense? So at Unabated, we we actually started to develop some single game parlay tools, and we stopped um, because for for a bunch of reasons. One. If we were to give out ways to solve single game parlays, they'll be easily fixed by the operators. In other words, it'll be countermeasured easily. Um, and also we'd be educating the operators in a more global scale of how to craft these so that they're, they're less advantageous. Because right now, the data science uh, at, at uh, operators in the US is is on a broad spectrum. There's some that are really sharp. There's some that are just like, what are you guys doing? Um, and I think it's better to approach it in the in a not want to destroy something that's that's an advantage for unknown people. You know, there might be people out there that are doing great at same game parlays through a data science approach. Maybe they've factored in the correlation or anti-correlation or over-factored of the anti-correlation. Um, now, getting over to the education side, I've done some articles, I've done some videos about same game parlays. Look, all I want people to realize is if the, the old saying, if it's too good to be true, it probably is, that's exactly what applies to same game parlays. You look at a same game parlay and you go, okay, I will definitely pair the quarterback and the wide receiver both going over their passing yards because he's going to throw to the wide receiver and boom, it's, you know, the, how could they offer this to me? It's these two things are bound to happen. Well, yeah, but they adjust the odds and they also then pad in the correlation 
by a factor of about 20%, so that there's no chance you're getting a positive EV play in that setup, which you think is, seems like a slam dunk. And that's why I think people need to know is, I'd love for people to know the actual numbers. The trouble is if I gave people the actual numbers, then the operators would know the actual numbers and be able to create sharper same game parlay. So I'd really be defeating the player and favoring the book in an effort to educate the player. I'd hmm. be educating too much of the books. So um, yeah, it's a delicate walk there to figure out how to approach those. All I wanna tell people that are betting into same game parlays is look, yes, you can do your entertainment thing as, as Brian said, you, you know, there's the entertainment factor of people and they, they just want to do it. They're going to continue to do it. That's fine. You just got to know you're making a bad bet. And like, if okay, here's my example. Scratch cards, lottery scratch cards. Yeah, you go into a, any gas station, you see the lottery scratch cards, you're like, what kind of idiot plays those? And then while you're standing there, somebody's like, give me the $20 and the $10. Yeah. And that, and <laughs> Every time. And they play it. And that was me. No. Well, but, and here's the thing. Flip over the backside of the scratch card and it's going to tell you your odds of winning and they're horrible, but people still play them. And I would just like that in same game parlays, people to know how bad the odds are and then go ahead. If you still want to play it, go ahead and play it, make your million dollar, you know, parlay with your $1 and hopefully Darren Ravel will tweet about you. You cool. could also call or go on the website in Illinois anyways, and see which winners have been won, which tickets. And so you could actually just go and go, Oh, the top prizes in this one haven't been picked. I'll at least give myself a shot at those. So, Jack, I would also stress, like, you, you're advocating for the shittiest gambling product, legal gambling product in, in the country's ever seen, right? Which is because it's so heavily regulated that you're going to be paying 50, 60, 70% VIG for this type of oversight that you you wish for, given the example you just gave. Where, where which would be much better is 2003 with Net Teller and hundreds of sports books competing for our our product, even though I got screwed over, I'm sure you did, by various different books or poker sites that went over during that time. It was way easier to win. And 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 come and and the wild, wild west. And so, like uh, uh, you know, you mentioned like like uh entertainment. Like I'm not I'm not saying entertainment as a gimmick. It is entertainment and you could look at this like for someone who buys shoes. So like we are the type who buy and sell shoes for a profit where somebody else buys shoes and then throws them away. And there's some people, you know, leaving my ex-wife out of this, who would buy an ad addictioning amount of shoes. I'm just kidding there. But, you know, who have a problem with clothes and shoe buying and stuff like that to a detriment to their lives. It's still entertainment or like if we, if we want to put in the entertainment uh the, the wheel you could say like movies like people collect vcrs and blu-rays and sometimes now they go for like eighty thousand dollars now like so like the professional would be us and they go on ebay and arb them and sell them but some people are like hoarders and have their whole basement full of shit right but it's still the entertainment industry brian i'm still stuck on how what i was just talking about would result in a 70 percent vig rates and things like that you got to walk me through that well if well i mean the lottery has uh well over that probably right well yeah but it's not because they have to declare what the edges is i mean 
you know, and also the prop, the the props in Canada that were legal uh, for a while. I think their VIG was like ridiculous. Yeah, but they were hugely beatable. Like guys were making millions of dollars. (laughs) That's that's true. That's true. But um, I bet, but not the the dummies. They were probably losing hand over fist because the VIG's so high. Um, Not dummies, but you know what I mean. Uneducated betters, let's say. So, but the reason is because economics, because you had there's no competition, and the people who regulate this are not Rufus Peabody or Jack Andrews. Rufus Peabody isn't going to go regulate PGA for $60,000 a year on a, on a state salary. So they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. They are literally the friends and allies of political uh, operatives. I, I, I know. So they don't know what they're doing. They have no incentive to drop the price, even if they did know what they were doing. It's not their money. It's not their product. They, these are, they, this is just how, how it works. I can give you yeah. real examples when I work there. So I, I agree, and I don't. I don't doubt your, you know, your your experience and your knowledge. Um, I it, I don't think it means it can't be changed. And maybe I'm just some voice in the wilderness, but I would love to be a regulator. I've told unabated, well, I'm walking away if I ever get the chance to be regulating sports betting on any level anywhere. Hmm. I'll walk away from all of this. You guys can have all my shares in this company. I'm out because I will go do that at sixty thousand dollar a year salary. And I will do it and I'll make this whole industry drink bleach because they need it. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm literally too angry to ever hold any kind of office like that. I don't have the political contacts that, that would ever make it happen. I think I think we more have a, just a difference in strategy more than like I also want good things to happen to good people. You know what I mean? And I don't want bad things to happen to good people. So, like, I, I mean, we agree on that. But, like, we we disagree on I think the focus shouldn't be we need more numbers to call the government and more government websites, which by the way, are hot garbage. They don't know what they're doing. Our website was the biggest piece of junk. And it's because we, and like the guy, the, the tech guys wouldn't even call me back. And I worked there because they have All no right. So here, here's the thing, Brian, you're, you're, you're kind of putting words in my mouth here. Okay. Um, I have not advocated for any of that here. I'll give you three quick examples of ways that this industry in a global sense could do better. One, they could make it so that if you decide you don't want to play a certain game or don't even want to be tempted to play a certain game, you can turn that off. For instance, I like video poker. I like it too much. I lose too much of video poker. I've admitted that to a lot of people. Great at sports betting, but man, put me in front of video poker and I'm going to play too much and I'm going to lose. I would love to be able to turn off video poker in the online casino because it's just too much of a temptation to me. That doesn't seem like too big of a hill to climb for the industry. Second thing, I'd like to be able to, if I want to take a timeout from casinos, because they all offer this, they all offer the timeout, I'd like that to carry over to other casinos. Right now, it's you you either have a self-exclusion ban where you're out for one year from all the state's casinos, or you can do a timeout in each casino. Well, in New Jersey, we have 45 online casinos. I would like it if I want to take a 72-hour break and say, I'm a little bit tilted. I can just press a button. 72 hours, I can't get into any of the casinos. But 72 hours later, boom, I can get back in. Right now, I'd have to go into every single casino individually to, to you know, stop myself if I if it came to that. And the uh, what was the third thing? The third thing is oh, um, the, the the player detection. You know, in other words, put in place something where you can say if if the criteria is hit by this person, if they are increasing their bets and they're betting more often and they're depositing more and they're depositing this over this much time, flag them and at least put something up as a roadblock. Right now, the roadblocks are very trivial. They're like 
you've deposited $2,500 lifetime with this casino. Are you sure you're okay? You know, or like you've been logged in for 30 minutes. Are you sure you're okay? Come on. That's, that's trivial. They need to make it so it's a lot more actionable and a lot more intelligent in how they profile yeah. the betters. That's all I'm talking. I'm not talking about we need problem gaming initiatives and, and helplines and government funds. We just need some common sense and the operators to realize that you can't just gut all the players all the time and expect to uh, have a sustainable product. So I, that, that like, fine, put all those things on there. But the real way it works is it's a negotiation. They don't tell them. They don't go put these, th we passed the bill, now do it. That's not how it works, right? They come to agreements. And so what would happen was DraftKings would be like, okay, we'll put these on here, but we need you to raise the barrier of entry for competition. We need higher fees for someone putting in a licensing fee. We need X, Y, and Z, and then we'll put your stupid things on there. And so you do hurt 99.3% of the population by minimizing competition. So I think a player advocate should advocate for, for competition, for lower rake, forcing them to not limit, limit us, things like that. That helps the majority of people, right? Just like, and then the 0.7% help them later, you know, help, let somebody else help them. Like you're not helping the players, you're helping some small, small group of people, on, on, although unfortunate as it is, you're just kind of an expert in the field. So and you've had some personal experience. I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to get personal here, but like what we should do is help things that would help the majority, in my opinion, the majority of players by, by, and, and by the way, I would no normally never advocate for telling a business what to do. This is not my MO, but, but it's essentially a, a public private partnership. These sports books, they're so heavily regulated and they're heavily regulated. If I might add and circle back really quick, because of the gambling narrative. There's a few reasons. They also put this, this um, mob thing. I'm sure you know, Jack, that they if in, in Springfield, they would talk, oh, well, the mob's going to get involved. The mob's going to get involved. They, they would always say that. And they're going under, right? They don't want businesses going under and people losing their deposits. These are the three reasons that they justify this enormous oversight, which does not help you in any way. It's, a, it's, it's an illusion. It does not protect anyone. It will not lower the gambling study rates. I guarantee it, and I'll put money on it. We're all gamblers here, I'll bet. So it's an illusion that perpetuates their monopolies. And so if we're gonna if we're gonna argue, we should argue where what we want, zero rake. You pay us if you want to operate in here, right? Go crazy. You know, if you want to go crazy that way, lower the lower the fees for entry for competitors. Well, right. I think I, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying, Brian. But I think some of these states are approaching it differently. And yes, your your experiences in Illinois, who has tried to create a fairly competitive market, they they you know they they definitely uh, cowtailed to the operators because they made the you had to have a land based casino operator, and there was going to be only one or two non land tethered uh, operators allowed. Um, and then you, the other end of the spectrum, you have something like Tennessee, where they're just like you know. Anybody can try. We don't have any existing stakeholders, so anybody can try to open up a business here and make it highly competitive. But I think what we're seeing is there's two types of states when it comes to legalizing sports betting and eventually online casinos. Those that want the tax revenue and those that want the 
business, the, the, the business of betting to come into their state and all the things that it entails. Uh, Pennsylvania clearly went after the tax revenue, 34% tax rate. New York clearly went after the tax rate uh, revenue, 51%. Uh, a state like where I'm in, New Jersey, they wanted a competitive industry. Uh, they've actually, there's a lot of data center hosting services in New Jersey now as a result of online casino and online sports betting in the state. It kind of generated into those other industries. But w these states are not all the same. You know that, I know that. And what works in Illinois is not what is even in the cards in a state like California or Florida, you know, where the, the tribe has all the total control. It's, look, we have 50 different countries in the United States. You know that from working in state government. It, they're, they're at all ends of the spectrum. And so I think what works in some and what doesn't work in some is not any kind of universal uh, method that plays in other states as well. Um, yeah, that's not what I'm, I'm not saying Illinois is doing anything right by any means, but just like you just mentioned, like the 34% tax rate or something, if you advocated for less tax, that helps all players. Sure. Absolutely. Problem or otherwise. Right. Look at Ohio. You, you see what I'm saying? Like the general, I'm I'm, I'm advocating like for, for players, for helping us, what strategies should we use? And they're not, and, and they're not like, tell them, you know, uh, that this bet's bad or, you know, turn off the limits. Like, f fine, put that, put that on there. You know, I'm not against it, but that's not going to help. And by the way, I don't, I don't think we're going to win. We're going to lose. And eventually these, these books will, 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 uh, uh, become, you know, a duopoly or triopoly or something like that. And you'll be paying big through the roof and you'll have to go offshore. You get limited, Right. And, and by the way, limited, you know, normally I would say they should be able to limit you. It's their property. It's their, it's their company. But again, they're public private properties. They're, if, they, if they're that much, I'm fine with someone advocating that you can't limit people or you could limit within reason or something like that. Like these strategies along those lines would help all players um, in fighting this kind of behemoth. But like, it, none of this is ever going to happen. I, I I just really wanted to rant about. I think the strategy should be on that direction because, like you mentioned in Illinois, they did the casinos first. That's because of one guy who owns Bet Rivers, right? Yeah. And he and he and I've met him. He came to my house. I know I knew him just very briefly, and he's a super rich dude who just didn't want to. And he's the reason we don't have poker in Illinois too because of one guy. And the reason we have it, and so like you think, not you, Jack, but like guy out there who thinks he's going to change the gambling industry. You think you can change that? <laughs> like good, good, good fucking luck. That's actually an argument for your, your, your uh, limits and stuff like that. You might be able to get that on there, but like, they're not, they're not, it's not going to come rent for free. They're going to negotiate and, and, and continue to put barriers to entry to the competitors while granting the, so like problem gambling and stuff like that, it's not necessarily bad for sports books because they, they, they can use it to their advantage if they're smart, and they are. They're better at this than us. This is their job. They hire the best lobbyists. They have the most money. Mm -hmm. They're LeBron James. You're some high school rec player, if that. So, right. like, and are, this, is, this is exactly why our concept of the American Betters Coalition never got off the ground is because it was 
it was powerless. It wasn't going to make a difference. And the only place we were going to be able to try to make a difference was in at least getting a seat at the table in legislative hearings when they ask for public comment. And now we have 35 states that are well past that public comment phase. And to get in now it would be almost impossible. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's why I've pivoted towards let's attack sports betting from the other side. Let's make the players smarter. Let's let's you know, let's let them know what they're up against rather than having to try to do it in the state house, um, because I can't fight a war in 50 different countries at once. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious with that goal, too. Do you find like the people that, you know, find your content, whether it's on YouTube or through uh, unabated, that they are people who are naturally inclined to be advantage players seeking out edges? Or are you, you think, actually converting the type who just, you know, make a spread bet, they fire off the single game parlay, and then they discover it and they're like, holy cow, I've been thinking about this all wrong and now I want to learn more. Um, Pete, I think my, my audience is the aspirational better. In other words, they're the better that's tried betting and they're like, there's got to be more to it. Whether they're trying to get sharper or they're just trying to lose less, they're still aspirational and saying, I can be better at this. And that's sort of the American way of gambling, right? And this is what differs us from Europeans is we approach anything, any business with a capitalistic intent of, I can be the best at this if I try to be the best at this. And if there is, if there is not a glass ceiling hanging above me, then I'm going to try to reach for the stars. Whereas in Europe with a lot of gambling, it's purely recreational. It's like, you know, 20, 20 quid and a warm beer and I'm happy, you know, to watch this soccer game. Um, that's not the way these, the, the American betters have always been. The American casinos were always built differently that, you know, you could, you could try to get ahead. And I think we find that with sports betters is yes, they try out sports betting because they see the commercial for DraftKings or FanDuel on TV. They sign up for the, you know, bet $5, get $100 in bets and they, they play it. And then they go, well, what now? Do I just kind of keep, some of them just kind of keep doing their $5 bets and their, you know, big parlays and things like that. But some of them are like, you know, I, I think I could get an edge here. If I just studied a little harder about what team lineup this will be this week or, you know, what, what I should do to get ahead, they can get ahead. And that's when they maybe go to YouTube and they search and they find my content. That's when maybe they search Google and they find articles that we write it unabated. Um, or maybe they go to Twitter and they find me. But there are people that are seeking something. And it's not everybody. But hopefully it's going to be a large group of people that are saying, I can aspire to better in sports betting. Yeah. Uh, wanted to pass along a question from Kevin in the chat. He said, how does Massachusetts stack up for players' rights and responsible gaming? Of course, Kevin referencing we're going to have legalized sports betting here in Massachusetts and IRL stuff here in what, uh, like very soon? <laughs> uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's how soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, look, the Massachusetts Gaming Commission is very strict. They've already been throwing their weight around quite a bit in finding some operators that are not doing what they say they're going to do in terms of the font size of the problem gaming statements. Uh, you know, Brian, you know, a lot of that is just bluster. A lot of that is just kind of trying to make sure that they say that they're the, the heavyweight in the room. Um, it'll remain to be seen once we get into kind of player complaints. That's where the, the rubber hits the road with a lot of these states. I know of, I, I get a lot of complaints sent to me because I've been known as someone who will help you kind of walk you through what your process is if you have a complaint against an operator. And 
some of these states will do absolutely the bare minimum when it comes to any kind of patron complaint. And other states will really go to bat for you. Um, I'll go to both ends of the spectrum. New Jersey has a reputation of going to bat for the player. They had that famous case right after we legalized sports betting in 2018. FanDuel put up a really bad line as Denver lined up to kick a game-winning field goal. They made the line like 750 to 1 that Denver would win the game. And it was in Denver, and it was like, you know, an easy, like a 35-yard field goal. Um, and New Jersey made them honor those bets. And it cost them a couple million dollars. Um, whereas you go to the other end of the spectrum, and Indiana is really bad. Um, there was a case two years ago where patrons complained about the same thing against the same sports book. One complained in New Jersey, one complained in Indiana. Uh, the guy in, in New Jersey, FanDuel, after the investigators called, FanDuel immediately paid out. In Indiana, they said, whatever FanDuel told you was correct. Um, and FanDuel didn't have to pay out there. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be where you have to kind of roll the dice as to do you have a very player-friendly state regulatory board or do you have a operator-friendly regulatory board? And Brian will tell you, chances are it's going to be operator-friendly because that's who's paying the majority of the operating taxes. Um, but Massachusetts so far has looked okay, but we'll really know more once we actually get some complaints going through the door. The state board in Illinois, I've mentioned, this is so moronic. You can't gamble and be on the state board. It's like, okay, so then you'll have people who know nothing about gambling on the gambling state board, people. And I know because one of the guys, I someone I know through knew a guy on there who quit. He's like, because I can't like bet March Madness, man. I don't want to be on there anymore. And uh, so it, it makes no sense. And I, a little tip here from working there for a little bit. If you call your local state legislator, rep or senator, you should have two unless you live in Nebraska, uh, one each, um, call their local office, which is in your, your neighborhood. And if they don't help you call, they should have another assistant at the Capitol. And a lot of times, if you have a good one, the assistants, they know everyone. Everyone knows everyone there. And so they could call the, uh, the, the body directly or the liaison for the governor and they probably have a good relationship with them and go, hey, can you look into this Bob Smith thing really quick? Yeah, it's FanDuel. Here's his number. Here's his email. And then they go do it for you. And I know that was like kind of one of my jobs. And so you can actually get some things done, not in this huge let's pass legislation way, which, by the way, I would never say this, but in sports betting, pass it. To, like, don't let them limit people. Let make them refund, make them honor all their bets, because it's just like uh, it's it's just a step below the lottery in terms of free market, you know, uh, sensibilities. Do you? It sounds like Jack for you. Like when you say that you wouldn't blink at at leaving everything you've been building and your own stuff to go regular. Like this is it is more than just business for you right this is like ideological it's something that you want to you're willing to devote like your life's cause to to get this right for everyone else yeah honestly pete i am uh you can you know you can ask rufus rufus is a very straight shooter and he knows i get really passionate about this stuff um i just look ever since i've, I've been gambling professionally for 25 years um and i really hate being conned. I hate being duped. I hate being tricked. And there's just so much in this industry on all sides that is just dishonest and it's not not forthright. And look, I had a tweet yesterday about this thing that FanDuel sent around to their, their 
players in New York, and they wanted them to email their local legislator about legalizing online casinos. And in the space of one paragraph, they told like four different lies. And one of them was that this will generate thousands of jobs if we legalize online casinos. No, online casinos have like very little overhead. I know an online casino in New Jersey that generates uh, tens of millions of dollars of revenue each year, and they have 10 employees, 10. There are some outsourced contractors and customer support and things like that. Um, they also talked about like, you know, if we don't pass iCasino, then the kids are going to go gamble offshore. The kids aren't gambling offshore. Come on. Like, don't, don't, don't scare us. Brian was talking about that with like the mob stuff. Like, don't scare us about things. And then the thing is, you know, and New York needs this $1 billion. So I looked up the state budget for New York state. It's $227 billion a year. That's, that's 0.44%. It's on the screen there. Uh, that's, that's budget dust. That's nothing to the state of New York. Don't, don't that, that billion dollar is only in there to like pop the eyes of the reader of the, of the, um, constituent. They're thinking, Oh, I'll email my legislator and I'll give him this billion dollar idea. Dude, your legislator, as Brian could tell you, has enough billion dollar ideas. He doesn't, he's trying to think of 10 billion and a hundred billion dollar ideas, not, not $1 billion. And you know what, if, if it's so important to the state, let New York tax it at even higher than the 51%. Let them tax it at 90% because with online casino, with all of the lack of overhead and the thin operations that FanDuel could run, they could tax it at 90% and FanDuel would still make money hand over fist. But they don't want to be honest about that. What we need is someone there for our side. And then you would go something like, okay, you can have your iCasino if you drop sports betting big, you know, 3%. If you agree to not limiting anyone to less than, you know, 90%, the max bet, uh, this, this, and this, and like, otherwise we oppose it. I mean, this, this is what happens constantly is it's usually union and business that negotiates. And sometimes it's like the doctor's union and like, and workers comp, uh, negotiations and stuff like this. And, um, but there, and there's a small business union, right? There's multiple, there's manufacturing unions. There's all sorts of different, of different stakeholders, they call them. I can't stand that term. Glad I don't work there anymore, who negotiate these things. And so we, we don't have our guy. We don't have our guy there, right? We don't have our guy going, sure. oh, you want iCasino. So like, and, and I, I, I mean, I love what Jack does. His videos are great. And he's, and I guarantee he helps more people than any uh, uh, state program th that's ever been enacted uh, just by his videos and content and unabated and giving out good information uh, than, than any government program. So like, I think th that really is all we can do is Jack's approach is low. You know, this would be like a local approach kind of, of giving out good content, giving out, like I give out free DFS stuff. I, I'm sure it's helped some people. Um, Although I don't think DFS is as bad uh, as some of the tactics they use in sports betting, especially the iGaming stuff. But really, that's all you can do is go, guys, this is bad. <laughs> that's about it. Unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, trust me. And this is something that triggers me. Like you guys have seen as we've been talking, like, like this does trigger me because I just can't stand it. Um, it's probably what will drive me out of this industry eventually. So yeah, I would I would love to find a way to change it, but you know, it's I don't even know if there's a way to change it. So 
we just deal with it. We make the best of it. And, you know, I'll shake my fist at some more clouds. I'll tilt at some more wind windmills. It's, it's just what I do. It's pa it's possible. There's um, a motorcycle, uh, motorcycle, like recreational drivers union uh, lobbying group in Illinois. So they just, they just lobby for, mo for bikers in Illinois. And they're one of the strongest lobbying groups. No one knows this unless you work at the Capitol. And they get they they get like like poker runs. This is a biking thing, right. legalized and stuff like that. Normally, uh, normally none of this stuff would ever, ever get like even to the floor, much less get passed. So it's possible if you get if you get some good people and good lobbyists in a specific um, state that you might be able to move the needle in a specific state nationwide. It's going to be really 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 tough. Um, to do anything they have a stranglehold on it which is why i jack I, I rail against the narrative of problem gambling not that i'm not compassionate just that like they use it against us which is why it pisses you off that they use this advertising or whatever you know i don't want to put words in your mouth what the things that make you angry this makes me angry it's like guys i know it sucks but they're using us they're using that they're using your compassion against you and it just drives me up a fucking wall and so like and, and it's like not the way, like we go in there, we're like, hey, okay, how about, you know, X, Y, and Z thing to help this 0.7%? And they're like, okay, good idea. We'll put that, we're going to take your idea and we're going to put it, we're going to write it down. And then we're going to say, hey, you guys want this? You want this little carrot? Well, raise the barrier of entry. Do this, you know, drop our taxes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they eventually will. And they'll win, unfortunately. Well, Jack, I really appreciate you uh, swinging by today. And I, as Brian has referenced, and uh, I think even Kevin referenced it in the chat, your YouTube channel is terrific. A lot of evergreen content there. Anything else you would like uh, the people to uh, check out here along your crusade to make uh, all of us smarter sports betters? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of that YouTube content, that's from 2020 during the pandemic. That was my pandemic hobby is uh, let me just turn on the camera and see what I can do. Um, so some of the quality isn't the best. But the message is pretty strong and it's not all about, um, you know, player advocacy. It's about, you know, building a bankroll. It's about uh, it's about taxes. I got a great tax video that every year this time seem, seems to get discovered about gambling and taxes. What are the details there? So, um, yeah, go ahead. And check it out. Captain Jack Andrews on YouTube. Just search for that. You'll you'll find them all. And um, then check out Unabated. We've got plenty of tools and resources out there to help betters. Um, I don't want to be a pitch guy. So just go to the site, poke around, try our free trial and decide for yourself if unabated is the, the kind of tool you want to use to, to get sharper. Yeah. Check out the teaser finder. You guys still have that up or is that too good too? Oh I, man, the teaser finder. All right. I'll, I'll share it. You guys got two minutes. Oh yeah. So we, we had the teaser tool was better than we ever expected. It unlocked things that we had no idea were even out there. Um, Rufus and I were both like, man, we should have really looked into this better or else, you know, we wouldn't have put this strong of a tool out there because the teaser tool was finding edges in sports and leagues that you would normally think don't have teaser edges. And um, our our subscribers, we kind of took a poll and kind of did some math. They made uh, between six and eight million dollars in the past three months using the teaser tool at a certain big sports book and some pricing uh, errors that they had in pricing out their teasers. Um, yeah, it's big. It's big deal. Um, now they've corrected um, the, the sports book has, 
And uh, so we're on to the next thing. We're on to finding the next edge. And the edges are out there. Like these books are too big. There's too much surface area to defend. There's plenty of edges out there that you can find um, using a variety of methods. I think that's one of the reasons that they go after you guys. The, the I don't know, the anti-tout coalition that me and Pete kind of rail against a little bit here is is because you're you're, you're giving out good info. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And look, I would have done the same thing. You had to throw throw everybody else off your off that scent is the kind of the best defense you can do against something like that. Um, you know, it's it, hypocritical. It's hypocritical. Like and here's the thing: those those edges are gonna like markets tend towards efficiency. Period. And so you're going; they're going to disappear eventually. We try not to spoon feed anything with unabated. Like that's one of the things that I rail about is we we don't want to just give picks we don't want to say here's the edge here's the play um there's other sites out there that do stuff like that but you know to be honest these edges are going to dry up eventually so why not get them while you can use our tools to get them um you know look we're building tools that could possibly not could be obsolete within months if edges dry up or you know so yeah it's not like we're benefiting greatly from it. It's just that this is how the ecosystem and the, the circle of life, to bring it back to something we talked about earlier, this is how it all goes with, with sites like this as well. The, they, they have this logic of, of um, touts are bad. They're, they're, they're taking advantage of people. Uh, the advertising is taking advantage of people. And Jack's like, okay, well, here's some help for normal. Here's some help so people could win. No, now you're giving away our edge. You can't do that either. It's like, okay, <laughs> wait a second. Like right, information yeah. out. You're just giving information and you're touting information. Right. Whatever, guys. Whatever. Exactly. Uh, well, and Jack, you did promise us to end the show. You said you had like a gold star absolute just lock of the night. <laughs> I think you said. Cannot miss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what I would tell you is um, <sighs> I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you who's playing today. Like Honestly, it's a numbers I'm, I'm just game messing with you, Jack. I'm I know, but, here, but here's the thing, Pete. It's a total numbers game to me. Like, I just look at the screen. I see the numbers. I see where the edges are, and I go with it. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you, you know, who plays for Bethune-Cookman or uh, California Baptist or something like that. Like, some of these, I don't even know where some of these schools are. California Baptist, I think, is in California. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a numbers game. That's really what it is. And uh, it'd always be that to me, just numbers. There you go. It's just numbers. I think that's a, a philosophy Brian shares uh, as well. It's it's just oh, yeah. numbers. I have no sports fandom left in me. Gambling <laughs> will beat the tribalism right out of you. Yeah. Well, Brian, any other things on your end before we get out of here? Oh yeah. I, oh, I got the. I'm in the NBA uh, champ, finals championships DFS on Saturday. Nice. So Good wish luck. Wish me luck. There's no late swap. I didn't even know that. Uh, so oh, there goes some of my my edge Ooh. if I had any. Who ended up taking your Denver trip? Because I assume you're not going. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I did not go. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there so, you go. Uh, and I got my uh, MMA. I won MMA last week, so I give away my projections ownership free on my site, and I guarantee they're the best or tied with the best. So they're all yours if you want them. And uh, thank, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. And I'd like to apologize for my uh, boisterous. Uh, I've just been dying to tell you that. <laughs> I know it's, it sounds okay. weird. It's it, I I love podcasts and you develop like a relationship with someone even you don't you never even spoken to them. You know what I mean? And so I've listened I've listened to you and you 
you also on your channel, you have some good talks with other gamblers too. People should, should tack out, check out. And I'm like, man, I wish I could just tell him my, my ideas along these lines and how I think we should handle this. And I took up a lot of the show. So people who didn't enjoy that, I apologize. It was good. No, to I think no it was great. Uh, Jack, we appreciate you swinging by. We'll have to sync back up in the future. Do this again as the uh, space continues to develop everyone. Thank you for hanging out in the chat. You guys are always welcome to join us in the deposit kingdom discord or bricks discord to continue the conversations. We will be, back next week uh we have nerdy tenor coming back on next week i believe brian if i referenced our schedule speaking correctly. of stats yeah there we go there we Same go we also have himself. we'll be uh we'll be live with march madness then as well so we'll have lots to talk about we will see you guys uh next time peace out For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.